0: Had our awesome mock draft yesterday with the Orange and Brown Talk crew and the Buckeye Talk crew. If you missed that, go to slash podcast and listen into that. But we have an exclusively Strictly Stripes pod pre draft edition for you right here, right now. Welcome into another podcast with yours truly, Muhammad Ahmad, joined by Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. And obviously, uh, beyond the mock draft we did yesterday, uh, we talked to head coach Zach Taylor. And members of the Bengals locker room, we hadn't heard from up until basically Monday because these are obviously voluntary workouts. Um, and I think one name that is definitely worth talking about that we haven't heard from since his injury, which was in December, is Lyle Collins. Uh, he's still rehabbing from his torn ACL, which came when the Bengals played the Patriots uh, last year in week 16. Uh, so we saw him for the first time, like I said, since then. Uh, he said he's progressing. He's feeling good. But what's interesting is he mentioned that going into last year, he admitted he wasn't playing fully healthy, which isn't really shocking because obviously he had that, that rest day uh, on Wednesdays as a veteran. He had a veteran rest day, but it looked like it was more than that. And maybe that's what caught up to him, you know, right when he got hurt. But he expects to compete at right tackle. It sounds like the team is leaning in that direction. You know, if Jonah Williams is still here, assuming he's not traded, you have him, Cody Ford, who's also going to be in the mix, and possibly Jackson Carmen, who Zach Taylor has mentioned as someone who he thinks can play right tackle. So you got a lot of names in there. You got a lot of questions about what's going to happen at that position. But I mean, just thinking about it, guys, obviously this is contingent on his health and it depends on how well his rehab goes since he's been back and forth in Dallas and Cincinnati for his rehab. I mean, like, do you think there's a legit chance that, I mean, even with Jonah Williams being in the mix, that he could beat him out? and win the starting job, or do you think at this point, he's maybe going to be kind of that swing tackle that Hakim Adeniji was last year?
1: Well, I, I think that there's, there's a couple different factors kind of playing into that. I mean, you've got to talk about Lale's recovery first, because I mean, obviously he's very optimistic. You know, he said that he could, uh, he could brace it up and, and play today. He feels if he had to, uh, I don't know if it would, it would clear that, Uh, considering he had a a January surgery, said he didn't remember the day, but he has a January surgery. I mean, we're recording this on April 25th. That's, that's really, really quick to, to do that. So, I mean, you've still likely got months ahead for him. Um, So with uh, you know, so, so the injury thing, that's obviously a big deal. Uh, Then obviously is Jonah Williams on the roster um that's another huge deal there there's just a lot of factors there to kind of decide if um to decide if, if it's really going to be a competition because again it could be a competition if jonah or if uh, Lale's healthy for training camp but what happens if layo misses two weeks and he's kind of you know he's kind of behind the eight ball and you know jonah's maybe worked off some of the rust of switching from left to right i mean there, there's just a lot of factors there so i mean i think right now ideally you'd like to have all of them on the roster because again, you know, having offensive line depth is pretty important as we saw last year and at least last season in the playoffs when, you know, you go to Kansas city and, and the the lack of depth and the injuries kind of really started to show. So I don't know. I, I think that there's just a lot playing into that right now. It's just too hard to tell.
2: And, you know, uh, he didn't practice at all on Wednesdays last year. And, um, you know, he says he was really unhealthy so it's hard to sort of square the two, you know, is he going to be need those veteran days off? Um, I think that's kind of a – that puts him behind other guys that will be able to practice every day. I think the Bengals like the fact that they have everybody available to sort of develop that chemistry, get the playbook down, and do things, um, You know, you know, game plan every week and things like that. So I'm not sure. I mean, I think he has to – there's some gamesmanship in terms of like, you know, he's going to want other teams to think he's healthy if the Bengals did move on um, or feeling good or moving in that direction. So, I mean, it behooves him to sort of be optimistic and say, um, Hey, I'm ready. I'm, let's go. Let's do this. Um, you know, I think if he's on the roster, he's going to compete for playing time because he's a veteran um, and he's a good option to have, you know, to push guys. But at the same time, no, I don't think he's ready today to suit up. I think that would be obviously a disaster, but, um, yep. you know, I, I think he's ahead of those, uh, those young guys that you mentioned, like, you know, I think he'd be, uh, I, I mean, you saw in the playoffs. He's, he'd be better than Akeem Adeniji, Jackson, Carmen, and, you know, Cody Ford, who, by the way, hasn't played tackle in. you know, had one appearance last year, but really hasn't played since 2019.
0: And that's when he was with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, that was actually the same year he had a controversial play against the Houston Texans in the playoffs. So his time at tackle has been interesting in his short career. But, you know, you mentioned, Mike, that's if he's on the roster. We talked a lot about this, obviously, way back, kind of post-after the season, uh, pre combine, post combine. I mean, like, do you still see the possibility, like for either of you guys, I'm just curious, like, do you still see him as being a June 1st cut? Or do you think they're going to just roll the depth they have regardless of what happens with Jonah and then just kind of see what happens from there.
1: No, I, I'd keep him on the roster as long as you can. Um, I mean, you're, you're kind of at the point now where, where most of your free agent spending is, is done. Uh, You know, if you need, if you need a decent amount of cap space, I mean, there's, there's to me a a way likelier option in in Joe Mixon, Um, you know, there's, there, there's kind of that too, because again, with, with the offensive line you know they were really really healthy through through pretty much the entire year and then it just kind of the t- the train kind of derailed on on Christmas Eve starting with Collins then Alex Kappa goes down Jonah Williams goes down it just I, I mean you need depth on the offensive line because you know you're just not going to get through a full 17 with five guys I mean if they do props to them but I, you just can't account for that and you know if you're starting let's say you're starting five is Orlando Brown, Cordell Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Jonah Williams, feeling good about that five. But then you go to you go to your depth, and like Jackson Carmen's there, Max Sharping's there, Trey Hill's there. Sharping and Hill are interior guys. Uh, Carmen Collins can play outside. Carmen's also played inside. So like you have Cody Ford at tackle, Hakeem Adeniji. I mean, you can probably move him, you know, guard or tackle. Like there's a lot of options and there's a lot of versatility there, but. To me, if Collins is a depth piece for this team next year, that's a really good sign of kind of where the the strength of this offensive line is. So you, I mean, if that guy is is backing up, especially if he's not healthy to start the year, or if he's not ready to play in a game to start the year, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. So I'd, yeah, I'd absolutely hang on to him uh, just because you know you're not going to get through a season or a full seventeen likely with with both your tackles healthy. So yeah, I'd keep, uh, I'd keep Collins around as long as you can.
0: So let's assume though, that, you know, the draft is two days away. We're going to talk more about that, by the way, later in the podcast, but I mean, let's say you get to draft day, you're at pick 28 and somehow you land Darnell Wright, or you take DeWan Jones, among other names we've talked about. I mean, at that point, even if it's not Collins necessarily, because I'm kind of leaning where you are, Andrew, of, yeah, I think that's a good sign of depth to have, but like, do you cut somebody at some point, like whether it's Hakim Adeniji, Deontay Smith, who I don't think has kind of developed into that project they anticipated, a former fourth round pick? I mean, do you, or do you just put someone on the practice squad? Because if you think about it, you're getting pretty bloated at right tackle. Because, like I said, you've got Jonah Williams, Lyle Collins, Cody Ford, Hakim Adeniji, and maybe who knows, a, a first round pick who could play right tackle, like do you maybe start to consider cutting someone at that point, or is it more of a practice squad move?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, they probably – well, it depends. I mean, they, if they draft somebody like with a, one of their higher picks, I think you're probably not going to keep everybody. Um, I mean, practice squad is certainly a possibility. Um, but I, I think you'd have to sort of um, balance sort of the numbers there. Um, but if they say, hey, we're really good with the numbers we have, um, you know, maybe just one goes on the practice squad and everybody else is part of sort of the uh, 53-man roster, um, you know, I, I think they want to give themselves depth. I think they got um, hit hard last year with injuries, obviously, and so I think that they're being sort of extra cautious in terms of, um, you know, trying to make sure that that's not a problem again.
0: Yeah, and if you look at, like, their practice squad, I mean, really the only other names you got are Devin Cochran And Nate Gilliam, Gilliam's an interior guy, so as far as tackle goes, the only other guy you have on your practice squad is Devin Cochran, which, I mean, that's pretty much it. He's never played an NFL snap. And then, yeah, you got Jackson Carmen on the left side, presumably if you want to kind of spread it out, or you put Deontay Smith there and keep Carmen in one of those two tackle spots. But like you said, I mean, it's really going to come down to Lyle Collins or Jonah Williams. Now, what I'm posing as a hypothetical, because like we've established, like, This can only happen if and when is healthy, but let's say Collins is just somehow good to go. He does really well with his rehab and he starts training again and he can compete with Jonah Williams. I mean, just based off of what we saw last year, I mean, we don't know how they're going to look on the field till we see him, but based on what you saw last year, like who do you think has a better chance of winning that spot? Is it Collins with the experience he's had at right tackle or is it Williams who, you know, they gave a fifth year extension to and is a first round pick and, I got the really high on. I mean, like, do you do – I mean, I know the plan is to move him to right tackle, but, like, do you see him beating out Collins for that job?
2: I mean, I think it'll it's, depend. I mean, J- J- Jonah Williams has to sort of show us how he's going to make the transition to the, the right side of the line. It's not easy. Um, I mean, it's not – not moving from the interior outside or outside of the interior, but it's still, um, you know, changing footwork, changing your, your hand placement and things like that. So, I mean, you know, there could be some some rust, and so, I mean, he hasn't played it, I think, since early in his career at Alabama. So, I mean, that's not going to be, um, you know. We don't know if he's, already, I mean, you know, he's, he's kind of upset about the trade. Is he working on those things by himself? Is he um, sort of hoping, you know, holding out hope that he's traded? You know, I think it'll be interesting to see when he kind of reports and when he sort of starts making that transition. I think the longer that takes, the better, you know, Leal Collins, uh, if he's healthy, um, will be able to sort of. Um, you know, get a foothold on the job. But I think, I think it'll be an interesting competition. I don't think we'll be able to sort of make a, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure who the favorite is because I think, you know, obviously both are, you know, Williams is also rehabbing an injury. So um, both have some things going on that um, they'll, they'll need to work through.
0: What do you think, Andrew?
1: Sorry, I was uh, I was busy. The Bengals just picked up yep. Joe Burrow's fifth year option. Uh, so I was wow. scrolling through Twitter as Mike was answering that. Um, I mean, okay, that's not really news. It's like the most no brainer thing in the world. Um, so uh, yeah, we have a little bit of live. Po- I mean, feels like every time podcasters do this, it always happens like right when they end recording. So uh, this is good that this is happening while we're on the podcast. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, for Burrow. Um, that's, I mean, look, uh, long-term negotiations are still kind of ongoing. Um, but you know, you do pick up that fifth year, which obviously, you know, guarantees him through 2024. So yeah, uh, some kind of breaking news there. Um, again, mm-hmm. pretty much to be expected. Um, I mean, and now you, you basically buy yourself an extra year of, uh, of negotiations if you need It, it doesn't sound like things are going to be contentious, you know, just kind of picking up on things that people say and Duke Tobin and, you know, Zach Taylor and everybody like that. But yeah. So Joe Burrow, uh fifth year option locked in. Uh, I have no idea what you asked me about the offensive line. I completely forget. <laughs> um,
0: you were so but, focused uh, on the breaking news. Man. Yeah. It's, I, well, well good timing, see, right?
1: Like as soon as you yep. see like a rap report notification come across, uh, which by the yep. way, they report for him. Um, yep. as soon as you see one of those comes across, your heart just kind of skips a beat. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I I have no idea what you said. You could have said the most wild, most wild stuff in the world, and I would have no idea.
0: Oh, I was talking about that one time I went into a bank and like robbed it and got away with it. And I right, guess you missed Rob. out on you missed out on a crazy story, man. I was like in the bank and I didn't even have to do anything. I just said, "Give me the money," and they gave it to me, bro. Like I'm just like Joe Burrow. I walked in there and said, "Give me my money." <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, like, there you go. So Burrow will be with the team for officially one more year, but. Rest assured, he's going to be in Cincinnati for a while. Uh, How long we're going to find out in a matter of God knows how long. I mean, could be next week, could be next month, could maybe be next year. I don't know. Um, But what I was asking, Mike, I want to ask you is if you're in a situation where Collins and Williams are both healthy, you know, going in the training camp, just based on what you saw last year from each player, like do you see Collins holding on to his job or do you think Jonah Williams will – Flex whatever he showed earlier in Alabama when he played right tackle and say hey that's why I'm a first round pick, and that's why I won the job like what do you think
1: yeah i mean it depends i think it depends a lot on Collins's health because like i said if if Jonah gets a two week head start or you know something like that if if Lael's not ready to play or or whatever then then that job feels really good for jonah but i mean what if what if the trans like there's a lot of what ifs and there's a lot of hypotheticals like what if that transition to the right side doesn't go as smoothly for Jonah as you might hope and Lael's healthy and he looks good in the first week of training camp and then all of a sudden the I don't know throw a dart the uh, Arizona Cardinals left tackle goes down like there's there there and then I mean, are you open to a trade of Williams then? Like there's there's a lot of different kind of hypotheticals here. So I mean I would start with Jonah. Um, you know, I think you have to start there, uh, but I think you can pivot if necessary. And I mean that's kind of one of the benefits of having that depth because like I said, if Jonah's if Jonah's there and Jonah's your right tackle, that means you feel at least decent at the very least about kind of what he can do there. Now all of a sudden you have him at right tackle. Lael's a backup, and you have a guy who was you know, on your starting offensive line last year who's now a backup, and for all intents and purposes, that offensive line should be better than it was a year ago. So, yeah, I, I just think that um, you're going to have to wait and see. And, I mean, a lot of it's dependent on Collins's health because if Collins is not ready, then I don't really see a situation in which J- uh, Jonah Williams on the roster doesn't start.
0: When we come back, we're gonna pivot this conversation to the draft, which is the talk of the land all across the NFL right now. But before we get to that talk, I want to remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. It is the best Cincinnati Bengals news, opinion, analysis newsletter out there. Sign up at cleveland.com/newsletters and make sure you click on Strictly Stripes newsletter for the option. It's free. It's in your inbox every morning, and you get the best insights and reporting from me. Mike and Andrew. Don't go away. we will be right back on the Strict These Tripes podcast. All right. Thanks for staying with us on the Strict These Tripes podcast. So we talked a lot about the health of the right tackle position for the Bengals, but that could be affected by what happens in two days, which is the big day. The NFL draft this Thursday in Kansas City. Uh, before we talk about the draft, though, I want to remind you all to sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. It's our subtext service where we bring you the latest and best breaking news, opinion, analysis before social media, before the web, and before anywhere and anyone else. See, it means you're special. You're so special. We tell you before we tell anyone else. So join the Cool Kids Club. Go to cleveland.com slash bangles and sign up. And Mike, I know you've been all over subtext lately, talking a lot about the draft and the bangles being back at workouts. I mean, you know, what do people need to know about subtext that I didn't even mention already that's so awesome?
2: Yeah, well, I think you missed the discussion aspect. I've talked about this a lot before. I mean, re- uh, re- readers or subscribers can ask us questions, um, you know, uh, directly, um, you know, so we see it and, and can have a discussion, bring up these topics on the podcast or mailbags or do a lot of different things uh, with that. Um, so I think that's kind of a fun part. Obviously, you get breaking news and opinion delivered right to your uh, cell phone, and that's sort of a, a fun way to keep track of every, everything um, that's going on in, in Bengals' world.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So kind of going back to our draft talk, like I mentioned, we've been hypothesizing, if that's even a word, assuming, projecting basically what we think the Bengals will do at certain positions and where they're going to handle those positions. I think we have to start with running back, obviously, because that's one of the most pressing needs right now, because you need one no matter what happens to Joe Mixon pending his legal case and what have you. But one thing I think was interesting from Zach Taylor that he talked about is, you know, He was very vague when I asked him, like, what do you kind of look for in a running back? But, you know, when he was kind of asked about pass block protection from a running back, you know, you could tell that that was something that was very important to him and very important to the offense, which makes sense because that's what Pete Ryan gave them. Obviously, you look at his PFF numbers, which we could go through for days. He was one of the best at being a pass blocking running back. And so I don't know if that's exactly going to be like the deal breaker or what stands out for the Bengals on their draft board because only, you know, they know what they're – draft board looks like, but you know, you look at some of the best mid round prospects who are good with that, just based on film and based on PFF numbers, you've got Dwayne McBride who we selected, I think in our last mock draft we had last week or the week before that one of those two weeks, we had him on one of our mock drafts. Uh, Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky who I covered uh, his freshman year when I was, you know, covering the cats when I was a student. Um, He was one of the better pass block protectors at his position last year This is a name we haven't really talked a lot about. You got Ty J Spears from Tulane. I don't know if he's necessarily slept on. I think he's a very solid mid-round pick. There's a reason why we haven't heard much about him. But I think one of the sneaky things about him is he's got a really good uh, look when it comes to, like I mentioned, kind of pass block protection. The PFF numbers kind of match that. But here's the thing, though. One of the best pass blocking running backs in this entire draft it's a no-brainer. I'm sure Andrew knows the answer. It's B. John Robinson. I mean, we could talk about how fast he is, how strong he is, everything about him. Guess what? He can pass block too. So at that point, I mean, I mean, if B. John is there, you take him. I think no matter who else is there except maybe – actually, no, you got to take the guy if he's there. But, like, let's say – here. here's a hypothetical since I mentioned this, and this kind of proves the point. Let's say you're at, like, pick 22, 23 – and he's still on the board. You're at 28 and you you don't want anybody to take him. Like You're like, we got to get him. We really want him. Even if you're high on Michael Mayer or whoever else, you want him. I mean, is there a situation where like you consider trading up? Or is it not worth going all out for a guy like B. John Robinson?
2: Well, I've long said that I think the Bengals should be open to trading up. I don't know if it would be for a running back, but um, if there's somebody on the board that they feel like could be an impact player, um, you know, I don't see that why you have to be precious about keeping picks like down the line um, in a spot where, um, you know, you're one or two players. And I think, you know, people can have heard me say this before, away from winning a Super Bowl, I think you need to be aggressive, I, I, but that's not how Duke Tobin Tol- has operated. Um, he, so I'd be surprised, I guess, if they did do that. Um, but I wouldn't, um, you know, begrudge them um, for making a, a move. I don't know if Robinson fits that sort of mold that, um, you know, I think maybe it would make more sense to actually trade back and see if you can land Gibbs uh, in the early 30s if he's still available. Like that might fit sort of what the Bengals like to do, um, you know, uh, but. Uh, like I said, if they if they have him graded high enough and, you know, you can trade up five spots and not give up the farm, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense.
0: Does it make sense, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm just not trading up for running back um, ever. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think trading – like if you're going to trade up for, for somebody, you know, I – I, I I could listen on on trading up for a player like Mike said who's who's going to help. Uh, I'm typically pro trade down. Um, you know, I think you know in, in kind of an ideal world you want to end every draft with like ten picks, ten to twelve picks. Um, you know, because I mean, even 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 if you're a terrible drafting team, you're going to have some hits out of that. So, you know, I, typically I'm doing that. So, it, like, I understand it's Bijan, and I understand he's, he's a different cat, but you're not trading up for a running back. You know, if, if you're going to trade up, it's because you're getting a Miles Murphy. You're getting a Kalaja Kansi. You're getting, you know, maybe you really love Deontay Banks. Like, maybe you like Michael Mayer. Like, you're, you're moving up for somebody who is going to help you for five years at least. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying Bijan wouldn't do that. But you're doing it, I think, for for a premium position if you're going to do that.
0: So you're saying if you trade up, you'd only do it with a defensive lineman? And you mentioned it was Miles Murphy, right? Well, no, you said? it
1: doesn't have to be defensive lineman specifically. It could be a corner. Uh, it could be a defensive lineman. I mean, maybe – like I I would be floored if this is the case. But, I mean, maybe Paris Johnson's there at 20 and you really like what he can do. Like, And then it makes a Jonah trade more attractive. I don't know, like – there, there's a billion different scenarios that could kind of happen. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I'm i not moving up for a running back. I, if, I, if I'm going to move up, you know, it would be for a, a premium position, a position of, of significant value. You know, like I said, where you're getting a pass rusher, you're getting a defensive back, uh, you're getting a tackle. Um, you know, may, I mean, I, I know we did this in our, in our massive mock draft the other day. You know, if you want to move up two picks for a fourth round pick, that's fine. Um, if you want to get mayor or something like that, I just you know I I wouldn't be moving up a significant amount if at all for for a running back. I just don't think that that's a, a smart use of resources.
0: Ever, or just with Robinson?
1: Ever, I mean, if there, I mean, like hell, if there was a running back that you would want to move up for, it would be Bijan Robinson. But I mean, if you're going to move up. From, you know, 28 to 23, I mean, what is that? A third round pick and a fifth round? I don't know. Like, I, I would have to look at the trade chart to kind of see because the trade chart's actually pretty accurate. Um, but, you know, I looked up the, uh, the trade chart, like, in our, like I said, in our mock yesterday. Um, and, you know, in our hypothetical world, we made a, a brief switch with the Cowboys where we moved up to 26. And that cost us a fourth round pick. But that was also kind of like a fair trade compared to the draft board. So for me, I mean, I'm not giving up a significant amount of assets to go get a running back, especially, I mean, when this team has other needs. And uh, I understand it's Bijan, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not interested in that.
0: No, I think that's fair. But speaking of defensive line, I mean, I think this was where Zach Taylor was the most vague was, he literally said, we just want a guy who fits our needs. And he just said, it's kind of a year to year thing as far as like, you know, different needs playing that position. So, I mean, I would imagine if, if there's even a mold you could imagine, I guess it's the DJ reader BJ Hill mold. You know, they're both six, two, they're both about, I forget their weights, but I know they're both at least 300 pounds. So I, I guess that's kind of a blueprint, but I mean, I feel like I mentioned, Oh, if B John is on the board, you have to take him. Well, I think if he's well off the board by that point, which he'd have to be, I think, especially if the Cowboys trade up to take him, which seems like a possibility. Let's say you have Kalijah Cansey on the board. I think you got to run to him. Not because I think he's the next Aaron Donald. I know the those projections are overblown, overhyped. I get it. They both went to pit. They're both undersized. And he ran like a hundredth of a second faster with his 40-yard dash. But, I mean, I don't know, Andrew, like, if you see Khalid Jakansi there and you think about DJ Reader almost turning 30, you know, on a team where they don't like to extend guys past their 30s, like, do you say, Khalid Jakansi, welcome to Cincinnati, or do you still feel gung-ho or, I guess, high on, like, someone like Michael Mayer if he's there too?
1: I mean, it it depends. Uh, You know, I think, is Miles Murphy there? Uh, I mean, is Mm. – I'm trying to think. is, Is Murphy there? Is Kansi there? Did one of the corners fall? I, I just think that there's so many hypotheticals here. Um, yeah, I mean, Cancy would be, I think, a really good pick because I think he'd be a great three tech. Um, you know, you pair him with Reader, you get a little bit more of an interior pass rush, and you know, you would hope that that helps out Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Um, kind of collapses the pocket a little bit more. He is a little undersized, so maybe that would be the reason why he would fall. But again, I, I, I just don't see. Um, you know, I, it, it, it's hard to count out really any scenario. So. I, I mean, if Kansi's there, he's got to be at the top. If, like, I mean, he's the number one guy on the board or he's he's near it uh, just because of, you know, kind of when you look at who he is as a player and kind of what he can give you, uh, I think it, it fits a position of need for the Bengals. And, uh, I mean, it, it really would kind of boost your defense. So Kansi, to me, is is a player that, if he's there, you feel really good about.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have I'm seen Casey play uh you know covered uh virginia tech when they played pitt um oh that's right. sure that he's the, the in sort of impact player um especially in the short term um you know how much would he get in that rotation um yeah i don't I, I don't know about that one i i mean i know he's kind of like been a late riser in sort of the draft uh process so um, you know, there's, there's a lot of buzz around him right now, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold on sort of that, like, uh, you know, uh, the defensive interior guys, uh, at that spot, you know, Brian Brisey another one where I, I'm, I'm just not as sold on them as maybe, um, you know, some others. And so, um, you know, I, I prefer an edge rusher as opposed to an interior guy. Um, but that's just kind of my view of it.
0: I don't think either or is the wrong choice. I mean. We talked about kind of the way Trey Hendrickson played last year and, you know, his contract, which is, you know, coming to an end sooner than later. I mean, that's not a bad option to build on now, you know, and I think, yeah, like maybe the more pressing need is defensive tackle because Reader is actually going to a contract year and you don't know about B.J. Hill beyond 2023. But, yeah, I think it just depends on if Murphy's there, if Canty's there, or I mean, really, if only one of them's there, it narrows down the option, like if canty has gone or vice versa, then you kind of have your, your bearings there. But I guess just to kind of to wrap up here, um, you know, tight end is a position I want to kind of get back to because I mentioned Michael Mayer's name. You know, one of the things I also think sort of solidifies what they're looking for in a tight end is kind of like with running back and especially with tight end, they want someone who's a good run blocker. Um, Cause I mean, you, you know, a lot of times, with those formations, you're going up against defensive ends, which in some cases, like the Browns, where your best player is basically Miles Garrett, you may have to go against a Miles Garrett, you know, in in some formations. And so at that point, like, let's say you have Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer both on the board. We, We can all agree that Kincaid's the better receiving tight end, but Mayer, even if he's not the best blocker, he's a heck of a lot better of a blocker and way more athletic. Does that make that option much easier or... You know, let's say both of them are off the board even. So this is kind of a two-part question. The first part is, do you kind of go with Mayer or Kincaid? And the second part is, if not, you know, do you lean towards Darnell Washington, Luke Schoonmaker? Do you go even lower and look at Josh Wow? Because those are also, like, guys who are really good at pass blocking too and run blocking.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, Kincaid or Mayer at that spot are, you know, no-brainer picks, uh, especially with, with the need you have at tight end. Um, I don't know, you know, what they view it internally as to who they would have uh, rated first i have a hard time believing both would be available at that spot. Um, but I also think that, you know, there's something to be said for how talented of a group of tight ends there is. And I mean, they could get somebody in the second or third round. I know you didn't mention Sam LaPorta. He's out there. Uh, Shoemaker I think is a good option. So, I mean, there are other guys that could probably come in and compete and give them, you know, some uh, important snaps here. Um, so I don't think they have to take a tight end, but I think, you um, you know, if one of those guys is available or both of those guys available, I'd have a hard time seeing them pass up, um, you know, the best player at the position probably on their board, um, you know, at that spot, number 28, I think that's good value.
0: What do you think, Andrew? I mean, do you, do you, do you lean kind of where Mike is saying with the value or do you sort of think ahead and, and think, okay, we can maybe – I guess what I mean is like if Mayer and Kincaid are both gone and you know you can get a Darnell Washington or a Luke Schoonmaker or maybe like Marshawn Ford even from Louisville who's a good pass blocking end like do you just kind of just anticipate that one of those guys is on the board by that point and and just hope to go for one of them?
1: Well yeah I mean if if Kincaid and and Mayer are gone um, you know you I, I would kind of be surprised if If Musgrave and and Washington are, are high on that board, because if both of those tight ends are gone, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, there's, there's 27 picks before the Bengals. I'm not sure that this is like, you know, it's just a math problem at that point. I mean, how many quarterbacks go? Like there's a lot of talk right now about, you know, maybe Hendon Hooker sneaking into the first round. Like what happens if you get five quarterbacks that go in the top 27 and both tight ends are gone. Okay. Well then somebody's dropping. Like one of the tackles that isn't supposed to be there might be there. One of the defensive linemen that's supposed to be there might be there. So to me, I just I look at that and and say that, you know, if, if Mayer and Kincaid are not there, it's not even that you feel good about the tight ends later. It's that somebody who you didn't think was going to be at 28 is probably going to be at 28.
0: Yeah, I think if you're looking at, like, options outside of number 28, like, if you're looking second, third, you know, whatever round beyond that, I mean, I think you can't go wrong with either of those names. Darnell Washington is interesting. Like, I feel like at that point he'd be more of a – I don't want to say they'll use him like a Hakeem Adeniji, like a jumbo tight end, but, like, he wouldn't really fit what they're looking for outside of the blocking, obviously. Great receiver, but I just feel like if you're looking for a receiver and a blocker – I like Loon Shunmaker. I know Mike is high on him. He's talked a lot about him on this podcast. And heck, I mean, if, like, for whatever reason, you don't shop for a tight end until, like, the fourth, fifth, sixth round, like, Josh Wiles from down the street, who knows where he is on the board. I mean, I mentioned Marshawn Ford. You know, he might be a sneaky pick depending on where he lands, but... Like I said, I'm just nitpicking whatever details we got from Taylor thinking, hey, so does that mean there's a chance for B. John Robinson or Michael Mayer? And I could be completely wrong, but that's the beauty of this podcast. I want to wrap up with two quick things. One, somewhat serious, and then something not even serious at all. I mean, we didn't mention this yesterday because we were doing our mock draft pod, but Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, it's officially done. We can finally stop talking about it because it's a done deal. He's been traded for... Basically, a bunch of picks that fleeced the Jets and gifted the Packers, long story short. I mean, like, do you guys agree? Are the Jets getting fleeced here, or is Aaron Rodgers just going to look at everyone and say, I am still the MVP, I am still playing my best ball, and you guys can't stop me? Or are we just going to laugh and say, eh, he pulled a Brett Favre, his career's done, he's just going to get nothing out of this? Like, I mean, what's, what's your instant impression on that?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's a lot for what amount what might amount to be a one year deal. I mean, oh we talked gosh, about yes. we talked about this in the past, where um, you know, I mean, it, I mean, what is it if he plays sixty five percent of the plays? He, you know that that second round pick next year becomes a first. Like that's a lot, considering that we might be in a situation where Aaron Rodgers could just retire at the end of this year. I mean, he he had a down twenty twenty two season. I just don't know if I just don't know if he's going to be there in in 2024, and if you're giving up a first round pick in 2024 for a guy who might not be on the roster. Now, obviously, the hope is that that pick is is very very high, but I just I, again I just don't think that that's necessarily smart business.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it depends. I mean, you know, he hasn't been motivated. I, I felt like in recent years, I mean, he's sort of um, been so frustrated with the. Um, Packers organization, it's, I think it's overshadowed his sort of play at times, and you could kind of sense the frustration from both sides. I mean, spite is a big motivator. Um, so, you know, do they get a guy that really wants to, um, go out and prove something? Um, does he give them another year or two after that? Uh, I think, you know, know, don't forget, you know, Brett Favre didn't give the Jets anything, but he did come within like one throw of reaching a Super Bowl for the Vikings. So that's true. um, You know, so it it remains to be seen. I think it could end up being a disaster, but I also think that, um, you know, there's room to say, like if he has something left in the tank and really wants to um, stick it to, you know, green Bay, because he feels like they kind of ruined the last couple of years of his, um, you know, what was supposed to be kind of the swan song of of his career. Um, you know, maybe it could. You know, they could they could win this. The, the you know win the trade, especially. But um, you know, I, I think it could go either way.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I just wonder. Like, is he really playing like like the MVP quarterback he was like the year before last year? And was you know twenty twenty two an anomaly where he just I don't know his receivers weren't clicking or he just wasn't motivated? Which he definitely wasn't. I mean, he he didn't get along with Matt Lafleur. Like, it's very obvious they just. Didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, more things than not. But I don't know. I mean, what he just did? He just turn forty, or is he turning forty this year? He's he's around forty. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, it's it's one. I, I gotta check. Yeah, I mean, he's forty this year. I mean, he'll be forty one next year. I mean, Tom Brady was basically what forty five when he called it quits not long ago. But like beyond that, I mean, what Peyton Manning played till forty. Brett Favre, I guess, was 41. So, like, he doesn't have – whatever he has left in the tank can't be that much for the Jets to give up. Like, all that they gave up, I still cannot believe that. The Packers, though, don't get me wrong. If they don't make the best out of, like, what they got with their draft capital and whatnot, I think they're crazy too. But, you know, I will but, – but it's really the pressure's on the Jets, though. Like, you guys made the move. You guys gave up more. So if you get anything less than a Super Bowl, you failed. Well, I guess in their case, maybe a playoff run. But even then, like, bro, you gave up a lot. Like, how do you not win a Super Bowl at that point? Which I guess leads me to my next question is, I mean, let's say the Jets, whether they win the East, shock the Bills, and they, like, make it to the playoffs or they win a wild card. Like, do you see the Bengals, like, looking at them like, oh, my gosh, got to play Aaron Rodgers and all those receivers and that number four defense they had last year and points per game, like – do you worry at all, or do you just laugh and say, "Oh, who's Aaron Rodgers? we he, he's 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 washed up. We're going to beat him."
1: No, I mean, so the, they're not on the schedule. Um, so the the only time that you you play them would be in the in the postseason. So in the
0: playoffs, yeah, because yeah, the I, I, just playoffs, I, would think. I
1: just don't look at that. I'm not sure that it matters a ton for for the Bengals, just because again, like I said, they're not on the schedule. Um, the the AFC East should be really good this year. Uh, you have Buffalo, obviously the jets are going to be better. Um, I don't know. I think everybody might be jumping the gun a little bit on how good they're going to be. I think people kind of have thrown them into that chiefs, Bengals, bills, Eagles, 49 er bucket, which, which I super am not doing. Um, so I, 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 don't know. I, I just, I'm not sure that the, I'm not sure that there's a lot there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, they got him receivers. They got him his boy Lazard from Green Bay. They got McCall Hardman in free agency. Still got Brees Hall. And then, I mean, what you got Garrett Wilson. You got Sauce Gardner on the other side of the ball, who I think is going to be one of the best corners in the league next year. We'll see. But to kind of wrap up with some non-football stuff, I don't know if we've talked about this on this podcast. You guys will have to refresh my memory on this. HBO, Succession, apparently like the buzz of all TV talk right now. Mike, you're a big Succession guy, right? I think you're the one who brought it up.
2: Yes, I was. I think it was was brought up in context of like, are you going to watch basketball?
0: Yes, there you go. You refresh my memory. So fill me in. How many seasons is Succession?
2: It's on its fourth and final
0: season. So as you could tell, obviously I have never seen it. Andrew, have you seen Succession, or do you know about it?
1: I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but
0: it's on the list.
1: Um, once we hit May on and June, and, you know, early parts of July, we get more time. So hopefully, I'll be able to watch it then. <sighs>
0: Well, Mike, I want to ask you this. I mean, I'm obviously way behind because I've never seen an episode. And by the way, I don't even know much about the show. Like, why, why is it a good show? Like, people are comparing it to Breaking Bad, which that's my favorite <laughs> show. So that's got oh, my attention. Man. Like, well, um, why is it one of those, like, must-watch shows? It's got a uh, phenomenal
2: cast um, of actors. It's got um, unbelievable production values. Um, uh, just one of the, you know, prettiest shows on television. Um shot on location and all sorts of crazy places across the world. Um, and the writing is some of the best and, you know, recent memory. Um, it just doesn't miss. It's just really, really sharp. Um, and obviously very contemporary in terms of, uh, the, you know, family, it's sort of obviously, you know, Mur- the Murdochs are basically kind of what they sort of, you know, the tentative sort of based on and, and sort of a look into that, uh, that sort of uh, scenario of um, somebody, you know, being sort of a mogul and having to pass down, you know, what they created. um, It's just a really, really, really good show.
0: I guess like Andrew said, I got to add it to the list because that does sound pretty dope. But have have either of you guys seen Breaking Bad, by the way, speaking of which?
1: Yeah. After, um, let's see, I watched it in COVID lockdown in 2020 (laughs) Uh, I remember after, I remember I told myself actually, after the NFL draft was over, um, I was going to, I was going to burn through it and I got through it in about like three weeks. That that's a really good, it's a really good show. It's probably the best show I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's my favorite show. I like almost gave up on the first season, but then my dad, who's like a big breaking bad enthusiast was like, get through the second season and the real fun begins then you get to season three and I don't want to spoil anything for those listening who have never seen the show but man once you get to season three man that what did what they call the the drug that he makes the crystal what was it called Andrew the the meth he made
1: um, what do you call it blue uh, well, I mean it's crystal meth. Um,
0: right there's like a word for it like there's a name for it like blue something. Um, I'm so mad at myself that I don't remember this, but it's okay. Cause I haven't seen it in five years. I was like you, I wasn't on lockdown. I was, I was uh summer break in college before my junior year. I locked myself in my room. I, I, I lived in co- I lived at home during college. That's why I thankfully graduated debt free, but I like was living at home and I locked myself in my room. And I told my mom, I was like, mom, unless it's life or death, do not bother me all day. And I binge watched the last two seasons in like one or two days. So that man, that season five was like, I've never done drugs, but if you were to like get a thrill from that crystal mess, that's probably what it felt like. I don't know though. Maybe that's just how much I love the show, but I think we're going to end on that note because we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but uh, stay with us tomorrow being Wednesday. We're going to give you our final draft looks, look back at, you know, the best picks the Bengals have made, and maybe even talk about the what if of what if you never picked Joe Burr at one? What if you passed up Jamar Chase for Sewell? It's going to be a nice, nice, fully loaded pre-draft podcast. So make sure you tune in. Once again, for myself, Andrew, and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. See you then.